Okay, Lord, we thank you for this day and the opportunity to be able to gather together this morning to worship you. And Lord, we are so thankful for your love and goodness to us. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to have eternal life. And Lord, the fact that that is not dependent upon us and our ability to do good or to be able to keep the law perfectly, but that it depends only upon the free gift of salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask that you would help us not to take that for granted and also be faithful to share that news with those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay, our first, well, before we get the first verse, why don't you go ahead and turn there. It's Isaiah 42, Isaiah 42, and verse 5. So, Isaiah 42, 5. So, when someone asks the question, how can you know for sure? So, well, to know for sure if we're going to heaven, we need to know who owns heaven, who's in charge. It's like a house, if you go up to a house, how do you know if you're going to be allowed to gain admittance there? Um, well, if you know the person, you can be confident. Uh, if I'm going to Brother Johnson's house, um, I probably won't even have to knock on the door. If he sees me coming, he'll just open the door. But if I go to a house and they don't know me, they might not open the door, even if I knock. Um, so, heaven, the question... So we need to know who's in charge in heaven. Who is it? Well, it's God. Notice in Isaiah 42 and verse 5. The Bible says, Thus saith God the Lord, he that created the heavens, stretched them out, he that spread forth the earth, and that which cometh out of it, he that giveth breath unto the people upon it, and spirit to them that walk therein. So it says there, thus saith God the Lord, he that created the heavens. So God created the heavens. So we need to know him. We need to know what it takes to gain admittance into heaven. There are many false gods and there are many idols in this world. There's all kinds of religions. And sometimes people think and wonder and question, how do I know what religion is right? Or are any of them right? Um, let's notice the next one there in Psalm 96. Psalm 96. The Bible answers that. Psalm 96 and verse 5. Psalm 96, 5. The Bible says, For all the gods, notice that's little g, for all the gods of the nations are what? Idols. But who? The Lord made what? The heavens. All kinds of religions, all kinds of gods, little g's, idols. But we need to know who made heaven, who created it. That is the true God, not the idols and the, the, the false gods. So that's number one. God is the owner of heaven because he created it. This is the, the point about evolution, Evolution tries to say that we are here by random chance. Things mutated and, well, here we are. You know, we could talk a long while about that, but that is so far-fetched. So, so the eye, the eye still amazes uh, the medical community. Um, if, if one eye 
could form. How many millions and billions of years would it take? I mean, do you ever expect, I mean, every morning do you get up and look out your back window in your yard and see if uh, an iPhone, what's the latest one out? 15. Do you go out and look at your window? Are you, are you watching for a little iPhone 15 to slowly be popping up out of the dirt? And if you saw the top of it and, and if you dug it up, would, would the bottom be unformed? Um, no, you, you can, uh, some of us are closer to eternity than others. And of course, none of us know it's not just age, there's accidents, sickness, all kinds of things. But um, all of us could look out our back window every morning for the rest of our lives, however long it might be, and you are never going to see an iPhone being formed out of the dirt. Now, it, it's not true if you just go in the back and dig a hole and stick one partly out there, you know, fooling someone. That's cheating. Okay, but it's not going to form on its own back there. It's not. Well, what about the eye? The eye is so complex. Well, how is it that another one just like that one formed right here? And how is it that the wiring is right to this one where I can see, and it just also happens to be right on this one. And isn't it true that, um, I shouldn't start talking about the eye because I didn't look up all about it, but don't they say that the image is actually bottom side up and that our mind makes it right side up? Yes, I'm getting, thank you, thank you. <laughs> okay, so the eye, the image is actually bottom side up and the brain straightens that out. Um, Long before we had phones that you could just flip, you know, and the picture, you know, keeps flipping right side up. Um, God knew all about that. And that's just one of the miracles. Uh, another one of the miracles is that a baby in the womb uh, goes from being immersed in water um, to suddenly at birth having to breathe air. The changes in the heart at that moment. Uh, Blood to the lungs and air getting into the lungs. It's just a, it's a critical moment at birth. But you know what? That miracle happens over and over and over. Not because of evolution, but because of God, the, the divine designer. So in, in scripture, for people to know how to go to heaven, uh, you've got to know the, the creator, the one who created it all. And that is the true God. Um, notice in uh, Genesis 1. So he created heaven. And we're going to see in Genesis 1, 1, that he also created the earth. Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and what? The earth. Do you know why earth is the only planet that will naturally sustain life? Now, we could all be on the moon this morning, but we'd all be having to wear uh, suits that protect us from extreme cold, extreme heat, and we'd need oxygen. There's no oxygen to breathe. And why is it that this is, it seems to be the only planet that is where man is able to actually live naturally on it? air to breathe, water to drink, the right temperatures where, you, where you know, 
too cold to exist or too hot to exist. Um, soil to grow food. How is it that we just happen to be on this planet? Well, notice in Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45. There's a reason for that. Isaiah 45 and verse 18. Isaiah 45, 18. For thus saith who? The Lord that created the heavens. God himself that formed what? The earth and made it. He hath established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to what? Be inhabited. That's why we just happen to be on this planet because God formed this one to be inhabited. He made an atmosphere here of air that we can breathe. He had the temperatures just right. We're just the right distance from the sun where we don't fry. I mean, literally fry. You might get hot in the summer um, and you might get cold in the winter. Um, but it's all these temperatures are bearable to us. Whereas on other planets, it would not be bearable. Uh, so... He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. Looking for the true God, he's the creator. That's who he is. So God owns heaven. We better know him. We're not going to get into heaven without knowing him. He created it. He owns it. Earth. Why is it that we're just here for a short time and can't control the length of it? Uh, this is his. Sometimes people get upset with God and they don't like his rules, but um, uh, what about your home? Do you allow someone to come into your home that does not obey your rules? Like uh, this time of year, what if someone came into your home and left the front door wide open? What would you say? Um, I'm trying to pay the heat bill. You know, would you keep the door closed? You have the right to set the rules for your home, your vehicle. Uh, would you care if you left the service and your vehicle was gone? And the police chased the person down and said, what do you think you're doing? Well, I needed some transportation and so I took this car. And the officer say, don't you realize that this belongs to one of you? Don't you have the right to say what people do with your car, whether they use your vehicle or not? Of course. Why? Because you own it. God has the right to say what happens on this earth because he created it. He owns it. We expect the same with all the, th the things that we own. Uh, we have the right to say what people do and do not do with those things. The same with God and the earth. A uh, number three, you'll see there at the bottom of page one, all people will answer to God one day because he created man. So we've seen that God created heaven. God created the earth. God created mankind. Genesis 1. Genesis 1 and verse 27. Genesis 1.27. You know, the Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that's the idea of complexity. 
Uh, you know, the older we get and the more things start not working in these bodies, the more we realize how complex our bodies really are. Uh, every system depends on another. It's just, it's amazing. One thing could not form on its own. Um, it's, all of them would have to be working at one point or nothing would work. Genesis 1.27. The Bible says, so God created man in what? His own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female, <coughs> excuse me, created he them. We, <coughs> we talked about this in, our, in Sunday school a little bit. That God is three persons in one. He's, we don't worship three gods. He's three persons in one. And you may say, how can that be? Well, we are made in his image and we are three part beings. First Thessalonians 5.23, we are body, soul, and spirit. And as I mentioned in Sunday school, <clears throat> uh, we, parents, you have children. Every child is a little different. Um, they, they may appear very similar on the outside. Uh, we have a set of twins here. Uh, Jared and Megan have a set of twins. And many of you have many children. And they're, they're just not all exactly the same. Each one has a unique personality. And as they grow, you see it. It's distinct. And why is that? Well, part of the reason is because we are not just body. We are also spirit and soul. There's something more than our eyes can see. Um, so um, when, it, when it comes here, God created them male and female. Now, there are people in this world that are confused. There are people in this world that do not know God. And they're frustrated with their lives. And so they see what's going on. And they get it in their heads that they'd be happier if they were just the other gender. And so they try to accomplish that through uh, pills, through surgeries, and all they do is get more frustrated in the end. And as we see here, God made us either male or female. And to try to change a person's gender, number one, is never going to be successful in truth. Um, and number two, it's, it's never going to bring peace because it's fighting against the God who made you male or female. You are special to God, and God created you for a special purpose, and he chose that gender at your conception. Don't try to fight God. Uh, you only harm yourself. Um, notice in Romans chapter 9, <clears throat> Romans chapter 9, and verse 20. Romans 9, 20. Romans 9, 20. Nay, but, O man... Who art thou that, that, that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed, that's us, say to him that formed it, that's God, why hast thou made me thus? You know, each person is unique. Um, 
it took me quite a while to distinguish between Brenda and Becky uh, to call them the right name. And I'm sure with Jared and Megan's twins, it'd be the same thing. Uh, but what's even more astounding than that was when Brother Jim used to work in a milking uh, farm. And what did they have, like 200 cows? 300 cows. Brother Jim knew those cows apart. And you know what? To me, they were all black and white. <laughs> but he knew the splotches, you know. There's, a, there's a, a unique arrangement of those, and he could tell those cows apart. Uh, amazing. Simply amazing. And God has, has formed us unique. And although, although we may look in the mirror, and wish he had formed us a little different. Uh, believe me, God has a plan for our lives. Um, it's, uh, it's, just, it's a shame when we just can't humbly see that God has a, a plan for each of us and to follow that and to be content with that. Um, so we talked about God. Let's let's look at First uh, John chapter five. So we're talking about the Trinity. We're talking about not three gods, but three in one. And then you may say, "Well, I don't understand how that could be." Well, how many of you here in thirty seconds can fully explain to me why a cell phone works? Why can I talk onto a piece of plastic? to someone around the world. Tell me how that works. I mean in detail. So I can go home in my workshop and make one. <laughs> you won't be able to. We, we use a lot of things we don't understand. Do you understand electricity? Do you understand when you flip a switch what's happening? Um, a lot of people may know and a lot of people may say, I'm not touching electricity. Um, it's too dangerous. I don't understand it. I'm glad it works, but I'm not switching the wires. I'm not having anything to do with it. First John 5, 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are what? One. So that's God. You, you tell me, explain it further. Well, he made us in his image. We are a three-part being. You know there's more to a person than, than it's just the flesh. Because as I said, each person is unique. Why? How? It's because we're body, soul, and spirit. That's why. Um, notice with me in James 2. So what happens when a person dies? Well, they do not cease to exist, and this is why. James 2, verse 26. James 2, 26. For as the body without what? The spirit is what? Dead. So faith without works is dead also. So as the body without the spirit is dead. When someone dies, the body is dead, but not the spirit. When you see a dead body, you know the spirit and the soul have left that body. 
And so the question is, where is that person? Where is that person? Well, let's look uh, in uh, Luke. Look in Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. So we're at the bottom of the inside page going on the second page where the fire is there. That's where we're at. Luke 16. And we'll begin in verse 19. Luke 16, verse 19. Okay, what we have here is a rich man who did not have his sins forgiven. And we have a poor man who had his sins forgiven. So let's see what happens when their bodies die. Luke 16 and verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died. Okay. What did we just see? The body without what? The spirit is what? Dead. So the beggar died. So what happened? His spirit, soul, has left his body. Well, where where does it go? It came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by who? The angels into Abraham's bosom. Now, Abraham is a saint from the Old Testament. And so we're, we're, it's pictured here that Lazarus goes into his bosom. So it's, it's a picture of comfort. It's kind of like a little child coming to mommy and resting on her lap. Um, that's the picture here. Lazarus is carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also what? Died. So the spirit without the body is what? Dead. So now we know this rich man's spirit and soul has left his body. The rich man also died and was buried in what? In hell. He lift up his eyes being in what? Torments. And seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in what? This flame. So death is never ceasing to exist. If our sins are forgiven through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we, like Lazarus, will be carried to heaven. But if our sins are not forgiven through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, at the moment of death, our spirit and soul would go to hell in torment, just like this rich man. So the question comes in is, why is there a place called hell? Well, let's look at Matthew 25. Matthew 25 in verse 41. Matthew 25, 41. The Bible says, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed into what? Everlasting fire prepared. Okay, here tells us why there's a hell. Prepared for who? The devil and his angels. Now, the devil and his angels, 
Satan is a fallen cherub angel. Uh, because of time, I don't know if we're going to get through everything here, but uh, he's a fallen cherub angel. He rebelled against God. And uh, so God created this place. God prepared this place called hell for the devil and his angels. So angels, his angels would be fallen angels as well as him, and we call them oftentimes demons. So let's look at his fall, Isaiah 14, Isaiah 14. Um, sometimes people say, well, I don't understand why God would ever create such an evil creature as Satan. Well, God did not create a Satan. He created a Lucifer, a cherub angel who was very beautiful and had a very exalted position. But what happened was pride. And then he wanted to take over God's place. Um, so in Isaiah 14, 12, how art thou fallen from where? Heaven, O Lucifer son of the morning. That was his name, Lucifer. Lucifer means bright one. How art thou cut down to the ground, which is weak in the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit up also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high, yet Thou shalt be brought down to where? To hell, to the sides of the pit. God created hell for the devil and his angels because they rebelled and tried to overthrow his throne. Um, You can see his names in Revelation 12. Um, Sometimes he's called the devil. Um, Sometimes he's called Satan. Sometimes he's called the dragon. Uh, Revelation 12 and verse 9. Revelation 12, 9. And a great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which what? Deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now, we have never known the hatred <clears throat> that is in the devil and Satan. You know, sometimes even criminals will feel sorry for people and will not kill them or whatever, do something bad. But the devil, knowing that he is condemned to hell, the devil is trying to deceive as many people as he can and take them to hell with him. I mean, none of us have ever known such hatred as this creature has now that he's rebelled against God. Um, So he was cast out. Um, And so when God created Adam and Eve, he gave them just one rule. And a lot of people say, God has so many rules. You know what? He started out with one, just one. Let's look at it in Genesis 2. God didn't start out with the Ten Commandments. He started out with the one commandment. It's man. It's us. It's sin that makes so many commandments. In Genesis 2, and verse 16, Genesis 2, 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying of what? Every tree. tree. You know, people badmouth God all the time, but God says here, of every tree of where? 
the garden. Thou mayest what? Freely. The first words out of God's mouth was not, thou shalt not. The first words out of his mouth in this passage say, of every tree of the garden, thou mayest freely eat. God didn't say, okay, now on Mondays, you can eat of this row of fruit trees. Uh, but you can only have one fruit off from one tree in this line today. Tuesday, next row. No, he says of every tree of the garden, you may free, you can freely eat. Um, that's being pretty generous. And then he says in verse 17, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. It's kind of like mom or wife saying, okay, the refrigerator is full of food. You can freely eat of anything in there that you want, but this one thing we have to take to this gathering. So don't eat out of it. So what would you do? Hmm. Hmm. That sure, that one thing sure looks good. Hmm. I know she said don't eat, but hmm. I know she said I can have anything else in there, but I want that. I mean, that's what it amounted to. So in, in chapter 3 here, Satan comes along in the serpent and tempts Eve. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Yes, he did say you could eat of every tree, but one. You see, it was a test of obedience. We have a free will. If there were no other choices, how would it be true love? God gave them just one other choice if they wanted to disobey. And well, in verse 6, sadly, um, they disobeyed. Verse 6, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. They both sinned. God warned them in Genesis 2, 16 and 17, and the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Well, they didn't die physically, uh, but what have we been talking about? We are a what part person? Three. We're body and what? Soul and spirit. So they died that day. Well, they didn't die physically, but they died spiritually. Their spiritual fellowship with God was broken. That is why the Bible talks about we must be born again. It's spiritual. A spiritual birth is what he's talking. Notice um, in John chapter 3, John 3 and verse 3. John 3 and verse 3. Now, when a mother is expecting, if the mother is addicted to drugs, and is taking those drugs um, up until when baby comes, the baby is going to be addicted to the same drug. Well, that's what happened with us in sin. When Adam and Eve sinned that day, they died spiritually. And ever since then, what we're having is, when we give, give birth to children, they are dead spiritually. Oh, I know they're alive physically, but that spiritual connection with God has been broken. And that's why Jesus said to this man, John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be what? 
born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. We cannot see heaven if we're not born again. He, he thought it was physical, verse 4. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Uh, no, grown man can't do that. Take even a baby six months old can't do that. Too big. Too big. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water, that's physical, and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is what? Flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is what? Spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, You must be born again. Well, our time is running out. I'm going to have to let you read some of these verses on your own. But So we are born in sin. We, we are all born with a sin nature. If we are honest, who here is honest? Is anybody honest? Okay. I don't see a lot of hands. <laughs> okay. Um, if we are honest, we will admit it's easier to sin than to do right. Why is that? Because we have a sin nature. A sin nature is like a magnet to sin. You get a piece of steel and you get a magnet, and what happens? You get, you get a certain distance, and what happens? <laughs> it, it draws right to it. It's stuck. Uh, we find it easier to sin than to do right. Why is that? It's at sin nature within us. So moving on, because our time is running out here, Romans 6. So what happens because of sin? Well, we're born spiritually dead, but so does that mean we're just all doomed to go to hell like Satan is? The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is what? Death. That is the penalty that all of us owe. There's no way to work it off. There's no way to pay it off. You know, the funny thing about it is, is, is you can be a multi-billionaire and die of something. Money, money cannot buy life. Um, so what was needed? What was needed was someone who was not born with a sin nature. And that we just got through celebrating Christmas. Christmas is a celebration of the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. He was born of a miraculous virgin conception and birth. Um, you'll, you can read the verses in here, but the Holy Ghost come upon Mary and what we have is a miraculous birth. We have someone who is born without a sin nature. Notice in Matthew 1, Matthew 1. This, this was the only answer. Someone who could pay the penalty for us. Matthew 1, in verse 23. The Bible says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is what? God with us. Jesus is God in the flesh. Verse 21. Matthew 1, 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from what? Their sins. Jesus did that when he died on the cross. Notice with me in 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 
Jesus died for every one of our sins. 1 Peter 2 and verse 24. 1 Peter 2, 24. Speaking of Jesus, it says, who his own self bear what? Our sins. How many sins have you committed? How many sins have I committed? I have no idea how many sins I've committed. You have no idea how many sins you've committed, but Jesus bear all of our sins on the cross, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. So he died for our sins and then he rose victorious. Why is the resurrection so important? Some of you, when you came in this morning, I said to you, Merry Christmas. Now we have snow. Uh, so, well, I know Christmas is past, but Easter is coming. All right, actually, Christmas is coming too. We're in a new year. It is coming. Um, it's, but it's after Easter. What is so important about Easter? What is so important about the resurrection? It proves, remember, the wages of sin is death. So Jesus took all of our sins upon himself on the cross and he died. If he couldn't rise from the grave, the wages of our sin is what? Death. death. If he couldn't conquer death, then how do you know the payment was enough? So he, he rose from the grave, the, the miracle of the resurrection. Notice in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15, it proves he made the payment successfully. Have you ever scanned a card at the grocery and uh, it wouldn't accept it? Um, well, for whatever reason, the payment wasn't accepted. Well, with Jesus, it was. Notice in verse 3, 1 Corinthians 15, 3. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for what? Our sins, each one of us, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he what? Rose again the third day according to the scriptures. You know what that means? That means your sin and my sin, the payment has been paid. The question is, is will we accept it? Will we accept him? What is involved in that? Well, in Acts 3, verse 19, what is involved in accepting that payment. Acts 3 and verse 19. Acts 3, 19. The Bible says, what's the first word? Repent. Repent, Repent means turn. Okay, I'm going my own sinful way. I realize my sin is sending me to hell. I realize I can't clean myself up. I realize the penalty on me is death. The wages of sin is death. There's nothing I can do about it. But I've heard that Jesus died for me. He paid my sin debt. I can turn away from that path that's leading me straight to hell, and I can turn to him. And I can humbly cry out to him to save me, to forgive my sins, to cleanse me, and he'll do that. That's what repent means. Repent ye therefore and be converted that what? Your sins may be blotted out. How many of you would like to see a list, a full life list of all the sins you've committed? 
No one. No one. It would be humiliating, embarrassing, dreadful, uh, surprising, shocking, because there are things that we may do and think that maybe we don't even consider them sin, but the Bible says, him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. We'd be shocked how long the list is. But you know what? That whole list can be blotted out. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. You know what? No one ever has to see the list, not even us. Because in Jesus' blood, his death, burial, and resurrection, that whole list is blotted out. All of our sins is blotted out. Um, so how do we receive him? Let's go to Romans 10. How do we get this wonderful gift? Romans 10 and verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe where? In thine, heart. In thine heart. So this is not just saying something with our lips. No. That shalt believe in thine heart that God hath what? Raised. Raised him from the dead. That's acknowledging he died for my sins. He paid, he successfully paid for my sins. I believe that he rose from the grave. It says, thou shalt be saved for with a heart... Man believeth unto righteousness, and with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall what? Not be ashamed. Why would I be ashamed of the one who bore all my sins, who forgave me of all my sins? Why would I be ashamed of him? Shouldn't be. Look at verse 13. For whosoever shall what? Call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. There it is. All you have to do is call. Say, Lord, I turn from my sinful way that's headed me straight to hell. I turn to you, Lord Jesus. I believe that you are God in the flesh. Lord, I believe that you lived a perfect and sinless life. I believe that you took my sin upon you and died paying my wages, my death for sin. And I believe that you rose again from the grave proving that your payment was accepted. And Lord, I do receive you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to transform my life for your glory. If you will cry out from your heart that, you'll be saved. You'll be forgiven. That long list, reams and reams and reams of paper, will be blotted out all that sin. Do that today. Because you know what? If we wait and die, it's too late. Then we'll face the same thing as that unsaved rich man who went to hell in torment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the wonderful gift of salvation. Father, I pray if there should be any here today who have never been saved from their sin, help them to realize you love them. You paid the price now it's up to them. Are they willing to turn to you with all their heart and ask you to save them? I pray if any are here like that, they'd do that right now. Cry out to you, Lord, I do turn to you from my sin. I ask you to cleanse me, forgive me, save me. I believe you died on the cross for me was buried and rose again. 
Lord, I do want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's take our hymn.